Welcome, welcome, welcome to Talking Dolls Halloween Special. Oh, this is our Halloween special? Um, yeah. <laughs> See, uh, we're talking about magical girls and witches today, right? Yes, but methinks thou art forgotten thine's part of the intro. Uh, yeah, we didn't, like, prep at all. <laughs> I thought we'd jump in. Be organic. Okay. The podcast where we talk about dolls and doll history. Only this time. It's spooky! Yeah, today we thought we'd follow up our episode talking about anime dolls in the West by discussing a little bit more about magical girls and their connection to witches. Perfectly befitting a Halloween episode, while still in keeping with what would have been um, the previous episode when we planned this, we had to break out the In Case of Emergency, uh, here's an episode, episode, um, on account of the fact I have not been able to leave the sofa for a couple of weeks now. I have had ice packs on my shins, on my ankles. Joe's an invalid now. Yes. Um, I have been described by friends as a uh, a Victorian invalid <laughs> in an armchair by the fire. That's that's very fitting for you. Yes. The drama. <laughs> the intrigue. <laughs> yeah. The, the ice packs... Um... Well, I'd say you need to move to the seaside for your health, but... I already live on the... Uh... On the, on the beach, mm-hmm. so that's why I think my dolls seem to age quite quickly because the uh, the ocean air is not kind to vinyls. No, it is not. Humidity. No. Also, why I uh, can't seem to use a uh, Mister Superclear, but you know, I just use a uh, paint on alternatives instead. <laughs> The respirator came in handy, at least, what with the, uh, pandemic. <laughs> now, if that's not scary for a Halloween episode, I don't know what is. Alright, so should we dive into our discussion of how witches became magical girls? I think we should. Alright, so I think that this is going to be a little bit of an interesting topic, just because... Witches and magical girls do have a lot of shared history, and both are something that have been merchandised for girls' toys a lot. So To hell and back. <laughs> to hell, how spooky. Haha, <laughs> very spooky. Yeah, so I think a lot of people are probably familiar with the fact that magical girls um, sort of originated out of being inspired by the American sitcom Bewitched. I don't think many people know that, actually. Okay, well, I think people who are nerds might know that. Uh, well, maybe. I think one thing we have gotten in our feedback from people is... Um, I really hope there's nobody who is, like, Romanian or potentially Transylvanian who listens to this. That would be uh, horribly offended by my uh, poor Bela Lugosi um, impersonation, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's Halloween. I'm sure they're completely desensitized to it by it being a constant presence on the pop culture landscape. Um, one piece of feedback we, we have gotten 
is we do tend to jump into the deep end of things without uh, laying the groundwork for entry-level explanations. Yeah, I guess um, my social circle all tends to be pretty deep into this sort of thing, and I feel like bad when like I don't want to assume people don't know things, but we probably do need to make sure to give more context for those that are approaching new topics that they haven't learned about in the past. Yes. I think if you already know something, being told about it again um, is a annoyance at worst and a helpful refresher at best. But if you don't know anything at all and people jump into it suddenly, it is a I'm not going to turn this podcast off type thing. <laughs> anyway. The point being, if you are familiar with these American sitcom Bewitched, that is actually the inspiration for the first Magical Girl anime. Kind of the concept of an a magical woman, or in this case, a girl, living, attempting to live a normal life with magical powers that cause hijinks and shenanigans. But it actually goes back a little bit further than that because Bewitched was originally inspired by a uh, 1942 movie called I'd Married a Witch, starring Veronica Lake. It's Witchception. Yes, she is the great-grandmother of magical girls. So shall we um, go through sort of the plot of I Married a Witch and how that ended up spawning a whole genre? Yeah. Um, I haven't actually seen the whole movie, so uh, tell me, tell me, tell me and the listeners. Alright, so the basic concept of I Married a Witch, it actually was originally a novel that got adapted to a movie in the 40s. Oh, the witchception goes even deeper. Mm-hmm, yes, yes it does. Uh, the basic plot is there's two witches who were a daughter and a father who were burned by a Puritan in the 1600s. They, their souls ended up being imprisoned inside of a tree where they were trapped for several centuries and then the tree is struck by lightning freeing their ghosts where they make themselves new bodies and decide to get their revenge upon the descendant of the man who burned them. Part of their revenge scheme involves the daughter witch making a love potion to try and basically enslave the descendant, but as a mishap, drinks it herself and falls madly in love with him. Hence the rom-com shenanigans of her trying to use her magic to not only better his life, but also her father being very upset about this because her father is still out for revenge on this man. Yes. The tree thing is quite funny, considering what last episode was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People are being turned into trees left, right, and center, apparently. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, this one was a, a father and daughter instead of a, a, a mother who looks just like her daughter. Anyway, um, go listen to that episode, it's fun. struck that tree. <laughs> if lightning had struck that tree, then I guess it would have been uh, the... Uh, the dark pixie apocalypse and everybody would have been stuck listening to EDM for all eternity. If lightning had struck that tree and just freed the mother, maybe it would have been a shorter movie. <laughs> maybe. Um, 
Yeah, I do. I do think it's interesting um, how how much media can be traced back to little things, which sort of started the pop culture snowball rolling. It's like Elvira and Vampira being traced back to a lady going as a Morticia for Halloween. <laughs> Well, and that was before Morticia Adams even had a first name. She was just Mrs. Adams at that point. Oh my god, really? Yeah, uh, the name Morticia was added to the character for the TV show adaptation. Wow. Which the TV show adaptation happened only because Vampira kind of repopularized that sort of media, and Vampira had spawned because she had gone as... Morticia Adams for Halloween, and somebody oh, scouted her. God. I want to be scouted at a Halloween party. Why can't somebody see me dressed up and give me a TV show that becomes instantly iconic and creates, like, a clone, which is a pop culture touchstone to this day? Well, and then that goes on because then you uh, know that Elvira was originally supposed to be a reboot of Vampira, but the actress who played Vampira owned her own character and there was creative differences in the reboot so they decided to create a new but similar character with a new actress. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic but some fun facts right there. I would say that is very not off topic considering it is a Halloween episode. Uh, yeah, but it isn't quite a uh, toys. Um, Living Dead Dolls have just shown their Elvira um, prototype. So, you know, it's topical, it's toys, and it's Halloween. Yeah, I do think that Elvira, Vampira, all those gals definitely need more merchandise. I should also note that the development of Lily Munster was actually pretty coincidental to all those other characters, except they had caught wind that the Adams Family was getting a TV show adaptation, so they sort of changed up Lily Munster's original character design to basically be a reverse of her color scheme, so that there wouldn't be too much confusion, because originally Lily Munster would have worn more black. Hmm, well, I'm glad they changed her because, I mean, she definitely gets put in the uh, the same group as the, as the others, the kind of iconic retro monster ladies lineup. And, you know, she, she definitely stands out. She's uh, the most unique of them, considering the other three uh, are virtually identical. And you really have to kind of caricature that face shape and hairstyle to uh, differentiate them. Mm-hmm. I do think that... It is very fitting seeing as her husband is so inspired by Frankenstein's monster that her design sort of more looked like the Bride of Frankenstein after they made it more white. Yeah, well, is she, she's supposed to be a vampire, isn't she? You know, I don't actually remember off the top of my head, but that was also why they added the white streak in her hair was to help differentiate from Morticia more. Yeah, well, the thing is, because like you said, she does look like the Bride of Frankenstein, but her dad is like an old, like, crotchety Dracula. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that I've, I always found that quite confusing when I was younger. I was like, she looks like the Bride of Frankenstein, but she's a vampire. And, and I guess you know now I know. Yeah. And knowing it's half the battle. And knowing also makes you a superstar. Mm-hmm. Tangentially. <laughs> <laughs> tangentially. 
Yes. But back to the development of the magical girl genre. Yes, yes. Yeah, that so... detour has probably been about half our airtime uh, so far, so let's uh, get back on track. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so after you got I Married a Witch, of course, then that idea got adapted for a sitcom about a man who is married to a woman with magical powers. Sort of the concept of taking the idea of I married a witch and what does married life look like for that couple, but then make it funnier and make it a sitcom. Yes. Yeah. And so I believe wasn't Bewitched actually pretty popular in Japan? It was insanely popular. Yeah. So that's when you get uh, the first two Magical Girl series. The first Magical Girl anime was Sally the Witch. Well, just a side note about the uh, the Japanese dub of um, Bewitched before we move on. Um, they actually edit out the kitchen cabinet next to the oven in the animated portion of the opening sequence. It's so bizarre, so strange. I don't know why. I guess it's a cultural thing. Maybe it, it was considered improper to put a cabinet right next to the oven. Maybe it was considered a fire risk. Don't know. Don't know why they did it, but it's just... it makes me laugh because the animation cell kind of slides strangely. It, I mean, it is not an inobtrusive edit, let's say. Um, also, I do think it's funny how it also spawned uh, copycats like I Dream of Genie. Um, that's, that's like the evolutionary tree. <laughs> it's like I Dream of Genie is a lemur and then Sailor Moon is like Homo sapien. And they both evolved <laughs> from the same, the same proto-species. <laughs> Yeah, um, oh, I guess before we get on to talking about Sally and Akko much, you know, we were asked by a listener on Instagram uh, if we had any Grail dolls, and I just want to note that in the 1960s, Ideal Toy Corp made a fashion doll of Samantha from Bewitched, and that is one of my Grail dolls, because... She has really beautiful sculpting, and I think that she just, she's a gorgeous doll. She's a very pretty doll. Yes. Yes. We will be going further into the questions later at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But I do want to throw in that that is one of the earliest, basically, witch dolls that I can think of. It's really um, an interesting look, too, because she has a red outfit rather than the sort of black outfit she's normally portrayed in so she has like a red strapless gown and a big red witch hat and comes with like a little broom and i don't think that's an outfit she ever really wears in the show but it is a very striking look it was probably because black was considered too somber for a doll and they wanted to make it a little more toyetic a bit cheerfuller a bit mm -hmm. more cheerful it was also in the early days of basically merchandising TV shows, and you know old toy companies were not concerned with accuracy. Like, just look at any old Star Trek merchandise. No, no. Well, did you say she was made by Ideal? Mm-hmm. Because Ideal also made Monsters dolls. 
Do you remember them? We we stumbled upon them when we were doing research for this. Those uh, little the little kid ones. Yeah, they they are strange because they are not the official monsters, but they are. They are the monsters. They they obviously were sculpted and created as a tie-in for the monsters, and then something happened, the deal fell through, and they were released under a generic name. Either that, or it just rode the popularity of the monsters. No, no. That, that, that would, it was that, that isn't inspired by that is the characters it's got the the actors facial features characterized uh it's got uh the the hair streaks it's got it everything everything about the characters is these toys oh i'm trying to remember like isn't the little vampire one like she's like a toddler in a little dress and it has a decal of a vampire menacing someone on it Oh yeah, or it might be a big ghost. I wish I had this pulled up. This tray unprofessional. Yeah, those are some really sweet dolls. It's a shame that they are as rare as they are because I am a big classic monster fan and I would love to get one of those someday, but they are a little bit hard to come by. Ah, Just just a little bit. Yes, uh, they were called mini monsters. Okay, baby monsters. Uh, they were made in the 60s, and the characters were called I'm Vampy, I'm Draki, I'm Frankie, and I'm Wolfie. And Wolfie was dressed in a little school uniform and came with a little uh, books tied together with a belt. I don't know if that has a name. I see it a lot in media. Um, I was not alive when that was happening. Uh, I'm Draki is dressed as a little doctor. I'm Vampy is wearing a little toddler dress, and it's a uh, silhouette of a ghost menacing the silhouette of a screaming sexy lady. I know, I find that decal to be amazing and very humorous. I feel like you should have a t-shirt with that on it. Oh, I should make a t-shirt of that. And be a um, very deep cut reference. It's Talking Dolls Halloween merch. And then... I'm Frankie is wearing like a cute like toddler sailor outfit, which is cute. I feel like they were designed with a certain uh, like oh, isn't this cute? We're contrasting the monstrous design with a with a cute toddler design. Yeah, yeah. So these are I believe from 1965. The sculpting for 1965 is just incredible when you compare Ideals <laughs> Ideals products with what was on the market from other companies at the same time. Oh, Ideal has some of the most beautiful sculpting in the 60s and into the 70s. Yeah, it, it's so delicate. Like, on other dolls as well, but just looking specifically at the uh, not-monsters, they have such tiny, cute, chubby hands with such a delicate finger pose. And, you know, and I especially like the fact that they they do limbs that are asymmetric but still functional for dressing. Because I really don't like when static dolls have stiff poses. I feel like there is there is a happy medium where you can have a doll with a nice static pose that looks graceful or active or elegant, you know. Take your pick. But I think uh Barbie Silkstone, uh the OG dolls before they added the uh, articulation do that really well with their asymmetric leg pose and uh, asymmetric arms. 
Yeah, that is something that I've always really loved about Ideal's older dolls in particular is that they have very graceful arm poses in particular. Like their hands are just always beautiful and just really naturalistic in their posing. Mm. And naturalism was not big back then. No, no, it was not. I feel like we should do an episode about Ideal sometime because... I have opinions. I love Ideal products, so... Yeah, you. I think you really opened my eyes to them as a brand. But um, I feel like a lot of people maybe aren't as knowledgeable about companies that don't exist anymore. A lot of people do just kind of go with the whole, uh, like, it's Mattel, it's Hasbro, it's MGA. And, you know, Moose is gaining recognition now, which is uh, long overdue. Yeah, I am interested to see what Moose does in the future as they seem to be going more and more into doll territory. Mm, I like it. I'm really excited by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you look at the dolls that they've done so far, it's definitely it shows that they're learning. But I'm, I'm very optimistic about the directions they're going in. Yes, yes, I am too. Well, I, I always think with toys, the more competition, the better. You know, I think if things get a bit too uh, stagnant. Uh, products tend to go downhill quite quickly. I think that's one of the reasons toys from the 60s still have such a cult following is because there was just so much on the market. People were really driven to compete and really one-up each other. Well, 60s and probably the 2000s, I think that, uh, you know, I'm not really a Bratz collector myself, but I do think that Bratz really shook up the doll industry in particular and caused a lot of competition that caused a spike in quality. So that Mm. was... A great time period to be a kid growing up and getting toys, and then, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, nuke that, uh, was that lawsuit, but that's, uh, that's too political for this podcast. All I'll uh, say that's, is. Uh, that's a topic for another time. Yes, that, that is, uh, uh it's, its own episode. All I'll say is, uh, buy Stephanie Askander's book about how brats changed everything. It's out now. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, uh, plug her books. I would like to own them, but I'm poor. Maybe we should actually look into starting a Patreon, and then we can buy her books with the money. Well, and then we can buy books on all these topics and then share their contents with our lovely listeners. Yes, there are so many obscure one-run books of collection resources for lots of obscure dolls, and we would like to be an arc for that information. We actually have lots of defunct doll media that um we have discussed previously potentially putting on a... Uh, Patreon. Uh, comment, let us know. Let us know what you think. Um, we've got uh, cassette tapes from toys. We've got records. We've got uh, coloring books. We've got Choose Your Own Adventures. Novels. Novels. Maybe, maybe the stretch goal should be us uh, acting them out. Oh, yes. Uh, if you want any like 60s Barbie or Tammy audiobooks, mm, let us know. Uh, does that mean I'd have to do the Cindy ones? Because Yes. Scary. That is the true fear factor for this Halloween episode. Uh, That is a personal hell that is only yours. Yes. But 
I also get to do the accents when we um we do the Gem Choose Your Own Adventure book where uh, Princess Diana gets kidnapped by the misfits and Gem has to go save her. And one of the potential endings is Gem falling off of a building and dying. Oh, and also Pizzazz is... No, not Pizzazz. It's uh, Eric Raymond's grandmother appears in some of it. No, really? Yeah, we'll have to get to that. Oh, no we really do. No, no spoilers. spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> Um, oh, bloody hell, we have gotten <laughs> off topic. <laughs> All right, where were we? That's right, we were talking about Bewitched and all of the many magical girl things it spawned, which I should note, you know, as you mentioned, I dream a genie. Uh, not many people would probably think of her as a Western magical girl, but she sort of is a proto-Western magical girl. I suppose she is in a lot of ways. Uh, same with Sabrina the Witch from Archie Comics is 100% an Archie character who is a reference to the popularity of Bewitched and all of the Bewitched-inspired media it spawned. Yes, years later in the uh, manga craze of the early noughties, Sabrina would actually get her own uh, magical girl manga <laughs> where... Uh, she had phone charms on her wand and broom and all sorts of uh, <laughs> all sorts of cliches. It's the yes. circle of life. It's the feedback loop of media between the East and West, America and Japan. Yes. Anyway, but on the Eastern side of things, that's when we got Sally and Akko. So Akko is the first manga magical girl while sally is the first anime magical girl we should say that sally's manga was hot on the heels of akko's and subsequently akko's anime took over the time slot from sally when she finished yes so which, again with the witches that time slot was referred to as the little witch hour so yeah. You know, this wasn't like they are competing. They are and this was they are both made by the same company and they they are companion series. Yes, parallel development. Yes. Yeah, it should be noted so Sally is um a magical girl type that's referred to as the magical princess. So basically um very similar to things like Sailor Moon, you know, she's a magical princess from a magical land who is trying to live a life as a normal girl with magical powers. But you won't really see much, uh, a lot of people will think of Sailor Moon these days when thinking about magical girls, but Sailor Moon really changed up the genre. Before her, there wasn't a lot of fighting evil, it was more just magical shenanigans in everyday life or every now and then you got like magical idol series where you know somebody's a secret pop star or something yeah it was literally way more bewitched than it was like agents of shield or power rangers yeah. i think before that one of the only more action oriented series would maybe be cutie honey but we don't talk of such things uh yeah let's not get into cutie honey right now <laughs> Should know I don't dislike her. That's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike her either, but you know, she's not really um, 
we're, we're talking about magical girls and it leading to toys and dolls and you know as fun as cutie honey is she's not really a, a toy franchise she's a booby franchise yeah um but akko so akko's series is called like akko's got a secret and she is a magical item type magical girl so she has a magical compact mirror that allows her to transform technically she's the first transforming magical girl Yes, Sally's powers were very much bewitched. She uh, she wiggles her nose and shenanigans happen and she's on Earth trying to hide her powers. Um, obviously, both lone magical girls. They weren't part of a team of magical girls. That is uh, something Sailor Moon very much originates, which, uh, much like Bratz, uh, gave every single doll made since gigantic heads. Uh, Sailor Moon gave every magical girl series made since a team of friends who also have powers. We have gotten some solo characters since then. It just they're much fewer and farther between than they used to be. Yeah. Please, please, Toei. We are starving. Please. Yeah, but the more characters there are, the more merchandise you can sell. The more dolls you can yes. sell. Yes. You know, if I don't like the blue one, but luckily there's a yellow one, so I'll buy that instead. Yes. But this was we're we're getting ahead of ourselves because because Akko and Sally are before the toys they are you know you couldn't buy toys of akko's magic mirror and sally didn't even have a magical item she just wiggles her nose like samantha yeah um however sally did get a reboot in the 80s that gives her a wand and you know that wand was heavily merchandised yeah you could buy toys of that you yeah, can see something... adverts for the toys but also i just want to say it wasn't a reboot it was a sequel series straight up like 20 years after the original one ended they were like mm, we liked what happened let's just carry on and part of me wonders if that was a uh like a nostalgia cycle thing and parents were like well i watched this as a child so my child shall watch this too and also, I should note, in the meantime, there was a magical girl named Chappie who's very similar to Sally. Mm. Again, uh, made by the difference... same company? Yeah, no. Um, she definitely has her own separate charm in some ways, because unlike Sally, who comes to Earth and is trying to hide her powers alone, uh, Chappie comes with her family. But Chappie sort of introduced the idea of having a wand, and her wand wasn't really merchandised, but I think that that is sort of how the idea developed to give Sally a wand when she hadn't previously had a magical item. And it being the 80s, of course, they realized this could sell toys. Well, yeah, because Creamy Mammy had already happened. Side mm -hmm. note, I hate Creamy Mammy's name so much. I know it's probably cute in Japanese, but not in English. Creamy Mommy uh, sounds terrible in English. <laughs> really, truly, truly terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I should note that in the meantime, in the West, there is another very cute witch doll that not many people know about. Should, should, we, should we talk about her? Well, she's not a magical girl, but this is also our witch doll episode, so I guess let's let's talk about dolls. Yes, okay, so there is a doll from the 70s 
Emerald. Yes. Emerald the Witch. So she was made in 1972 by Girls World slash Amsco, which was part of Milton Bradley. And the thing with uh, Emerald the Witch, so she is a little kind of child-sized doll. Like, um, I think she's She's a purple homunculus. I would not call her homunculus, but she is somewhat child-shaped and small. And uh, she's purple with bright green hair and glowing eyes that were battery-powered. I love her, but she looks more like an alien than she does a witch. Oh, she is both adorable and terrifying at the same time, and I love her. Yeah, I can see why she didn't sell well. But, you know, because she didn't sell well, she's also incredibly rare. And if you want one, be prepared to pay upwards of three digits. Yes, um, that is another doll on my grail list that, you know, it's not even a question of being able to afford one. It's how often do they even come up for sale? Literally. She's, I think she's one of the only dolls on both of our grail lists. Um, mm-hmm. I, your grail list always tends to be much more um, eclectic and uh, definitely a lot more uh, vintage than mine. But we'll get into that more later. Mm-hmm. I just like her because she's such a freaky little doll. Well, I mean, I also like her because she's a freaky little doll, but my she... taste is much weirder than yours. <laughs> yeah, I should note, so she has these uh, clear inset eyes because they lit up. Her eyes have no whites. No, and they're like vintage these... troll doll style. Yeah, and then she has these big green like cat eye makeup and no eyebrows. No. That's why she looks so much like an alien because she has she's just she's just all iris oh my gosh. and <gasps> Joe what she's Pizzazz's mother that's why Pizzazz's mother left she had to go back to her home world oh my god the purple makeup on Pizzazz's face is actually <laughs> the purple skin tone like <laughs> making an appearance Pizzazz's lack of eyebrows is natural. <laughs> Pizzazz's purple makeup forms on her skin like tiger stripes and and all her life she had to wear foundation covering it. As a child, her father would just cover her in pan stick and then New Wave happened and she could truly be herself. <laughs> the backstory I didn't know I needed. Yes. This is, a, if we ever, you know, this is the gem crack dub. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like when Poochie dies in The Simpsons, we just sort of shimmy Pizzazz off screen and say Pizzazz is returning to her home world. That's what happens in season three, when she's just not in any episodes. Yes, um, I would like to read out loud the Emerald the Witch advertisement. So there was an ad that shows Emerald, and she has like a magical crystal ball, some potted plants, a little very, cauldron. Very 70s. Yes, and she has all these little witch outfits with different little hats. They're very cute. And then she had a carry case that was also a little witch's house. So it was like a spooky Victorian house. Um, But this advertisement says, Emerald is a witch, a very friendly, very cuddly witch with green hair and purple skin and green eyes that blink on and off in the dark. Little girls will love Little girls will love to tell Emerald their secrets, and they'll love her accessories too. Her witch mobile. Oh, I shouldn't 
note that she has like a little car that does not look like a car and it's bizarre and I love it. Her witch house, which is her carrying case, her witchcraft tricks, and her witch clothes. She has a mm, G-slur costume, a uh, nightgown, a oh, witch no. outfit, and lots more. Oh no. There's never been a doll like her before. A sure winner with a little girl's world of make-believe. Which... I think it's true. There has not been a doll like this before, and there hasn't been a doll like her since, really. I don't know. I had an alien keychain as a teenager that reminds me of her a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a keychain, not a, not a doll no, with outfits. I jest. I jest. I personally, I think Emerald is a absolutely cracking doll. I love her carry case, as we all know. I am a stan for carry cases, and yeah. her carry case is super cool. It looks super exciting. The only thing I don't don't like about it is is it's made from the like cardboard covered in vinyl that all of the carry cases from like from the sixties to eighties were were made from that kind of perish quite easily and you know they're, they're really hard to get in good condition so i can't imagine many survive like you said emerald hardly ever comes up for sale on ebay i don't think i've ever seen her carry case or any of her fashions come up for sale on ebay That's funny because when i first learned about emerald there was no emerald dolls or outfits available for sale anywhere but there was two of her house up for sale at the same time oh my god that's the, the planets aligning yeah, I should note, so Emerald, notably, her plastic, her purple vinyl sort of can discolor. That's one of her main uh, quality problems. That, and because she was battery powered. Oh, dear God. Yeah, so if, um, I also should note, she had no on or off switch. So once you put the battery in, her eyes were flashing. There was no way to stop it. Was it right, what? Yeah, uh... No, once the battery was in, her eyes just went until the battery was dead, or until oh, you removed it. My god. Um, yeah, so... Okay, it... I find that really shocking. I feel like I have quite a reasonable knowledge of Emerald as a doll. I have I have looked through the catalogue pictures of her. I have seen what was on offer. But the fact she... I just assumed she'd have a button on her back or on her head or something. That's, no, that's ridiculous. This was not the 80s. This was 1972. I'm sure that uh, the idea of a battery-powered doll was fairly new and they did not think it through. Well, of course they didn't. Well, I mean, that's ridiculous. Not only would the batteries get worn out really quickly, but it's also really annoying and like imagine you're a seven-year-old girl in like 1970 whatever and you're trying to sleep and from your toy box there's just a blinking green light what I know. annoying yeah so it it's not fire hazard yeah it's not as if she does not have her design flaws but she is very sweet very cute and very interesting very strange very spooky Spooky. I do feel like if she had had any media attached to her character that we could count her as a magical girl because she is a little girl with powers and at this point in the history of the genre, that was pretty much all you needed to be a magical girl. Well, that's the definition I I like to follow for a magical yeah. girl. I'm much more of a fan of solo heroines. Um, yeah. You know, she had magical powers, she didn't have eyebrows. That's Emerald. Ah. <sighs> She's a little creepy, little kooky. 
maybe even just a little spooky. Yep. So let's go back on to um, Maho Shoujo, Magical Girls. Um, I've, I've realized we weren't really giving any dates for anything, but you gave dates for Emerald, so I'm just going to retroactively chuck out a couple of dates. So there was a manga and an anime called Princess Knight. You may have seen it or heard of it. Uh, very, very early manga in its art style. Very speed racer in its English dub. That came out in 1953, but people don't technically consider that a magical girl anime or manga. It's more the precursor to it. Kind of like how yes, Bill Lily isn't one... considered the first fashion doll. Yeah, so that was one of Tezuka's works. And it sort of inspired, like, it is a proto-magical girl, but, uh, yeah, our heroine doesn't really have powers. No, the the magical aspect for it is is more of a world-building matter, and she doesn't really have any powers. She is effectively, like, cross-dressing Zorro, kind of, um, oh god, what's that movie with Amanda Bynes? Uh, She's the Man, is that it? that basically you know she's a girl she pretends to be a boy the manga slash anime doesn't really have a good grasp of how inheritance works well i know you get very opinionated about fantasy portrayals of european politics well okay i just think if you're hinging your entire plot on a concept you should understand how the concept works yeah, well, at the same time, this was made in Japan, and it is a Japanese fantasy idea of what Europe is, and I think that after everything that the West has done with portrayals of the East, we deserve it. Okay, Japan doesn't get to be included in that, because <laughs> Japan was just as bad, if not worse, than everything the West has ever done. Hey, I'm just saying that, you know, like, every time I see an American show up in an anime, I'm like... You know, we deserve this because of, you know, Orientalism. Oh my god. Can we have one podcast without without wokeness? One of us will start <laughs> rambling about political issues, I'm sure. You could you could put us in a hey, dark this, room. You don't have to make this political. I'm just saying. I, I'm not making it political. <laughs> I was just I was just either. complaining I was just complaining about a manga from 1953 acting like the acting like the line of inheritance is like a wiggly worm and not a very straightforward matter. Well, also I've seen I've also seen people not well actually not I saying it doesn't really understand it. I mean, it 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 does kind of un i mean this is so off topic right now but i've got a bee in my bonnet and i want to i want to say your this hill you will die on yeah i literally i mean we're gonna have to do an episode about disney princesses and disney stuff and when when we do that i i have lots of opinions about the princess phenomenon and um and specifically american ideas regarding princesses slash royalty um especially about tiaras the, ti the tiara thing i i i have Oh my god! You know, you know. Traditionally, women didn't wear tiaras until after they were married. So that I mean, that is just one one thing I have to say. So when you when you have like girls like wearing a tiara, and, and the thing is, and tiaras aren't even an exclusive to royalty thing. Like, okay, I mean, actually, no, I'm not. I'm not getting into this now. 
Yeah, let's not get into this now. I, I know you I have, have opinions, but this is opinions for another day. I have studied fashion. I have studied fashion history. I know things, and I will educate the people, but not now. For now, I am uh, just going to say that I don't think... People don't tend to understand the logic in Princess Knight as well as Princess Knight having a kind of wobbly internal logic. But to me, looking at Princess Knight, the basic crux of the plot is Princess Sapphire needs to pretend to be a prince because girls can't inherit the throne. Okay, that, that is quite a common thing for European uh, okay, monarchies. Okay. I should also note that she is magically born with both a male and female heart in her body. So she's got like bi-gender backup heart going on. Yeah, but you know, it's less progressive. <laughs> She's genderqueer and it's more, she wouldn't be able to ride a horse or sword fight without the boy heart because girls can't do shit. I know, it's got some weird ideas about gender. Very early gender bender manga. Yes, yes. Um, and also she's got a love interest, which it, I don't know, that makes it a little bit queer, doesn't it? The uh, love interest into her and she's dressed as a boy. Maybe he's into the boy as well. I don't know. I've never actually uh, sat down and, and read to where Prince Franz comes into it. Um, but yeah, basically the, the crux is she has to pretend to be a prince because if she's a girl, then the evil duke's son is is in line for the throne and everybody everybody acts like that is shocking i mean everybody in the real world i mean acts like that is really shocking and doesn't make much sense but um i mean that, that i mean the manga doesn't say this directly but there are ways that he would be in line for i mean god damn it i'm so off the, off the rails right now but but basically if if the duke's deceased wife had been the king's sister, then the duke's son would be in line for the throne because he would be... Okay. Like, I also male... want to point out that this is a country called Silverland. It has a name. I always thought it was just called, like, Faraway Land, Kingdom of Far, Far Away. Yeah, I'm just going to point out that, like, I know it does not match up with your British European inheritance laws, but at the same time, this is a work of fantasy. No, but it does. That's what I'm saying is there are ways for it to match up completely, but it doesn't it doesn't make sense with how they do it. I know you're going to die on this hill, but can you die another day? This is not a James Bond podcast. Um, I'm yeah, just no, basically, basically I feel like your death. Okay, I'm I'm real tired right now. Okay, guys, and not gonna lie, I have taken some pain medication for my legs because I'm having to sit up at a computer chair to tape this, and my feet really hurt when they're not elevated. So, um, sorry if like I feel like that was quite rambly. That was that was quite um, basically. The crux of what I was trying to say you was... You are rambling right now. I know I'm rambling. Let me finish this ramble and then it will all be out my system. <laughs> okay. Um, basically, what I'm saying is if the Duke's son is in line to inherit, that would imply women are eligible because it would mean that his mother's bloodline was like a viable way for him to be in line to inherit. Which would then subsequently mean Princess Sapphire could inherit the throne in her own right. If females are completely unentitled to any recognition in the bloodline, 
as the manga seems to treat it, then it wouldn't go to the king's sister, which again isn't outright stated, but that is the only way to make it even work on a logical level that that the duke's son is somehow in line to inherit is that he's the the king's nephew, which is never said again. It would it would go from the king up to if the king had a brother, it would revert through the male bloodline. So if the king had a brother, he would be the, the new king. If the king had a brother who was dead and the brother had had a son, then that son would inherit. You know, it, if they are treating women as unable to inherit the title at all, it, it wouldn't be able to carry on through a female descendant. It would, it would need to revert through the male bloodline until there was an active male heir viable. Okay, that's out my system now. I'm sorry. I have been silently laughing for a while now. It's, you know, I know my history. (laughs) (laughs) And you learn your presidents in school. I learned uh, past monarchs. (sighs) Just get so hung up on it. (laughs) What were we talking about before you got off about princess night? Do you think I should just edit that whole thing out? I don't know. Um, well, my I train of thought actually... has been thoroughly derailed. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm sorry. Like the thing is, I did. I'm okay. Being real right now, listeners, I did actually get a bit confused with what I was saying because, like I said, I have taken pain medication, and um, I don't, I don't feel myself. I'm, I'm just like that Christina Aguilera knockoff of uh, Bad Romance. I, I'm not. I don't feel myself tonight. Um, and uh, like, I think maybe my initial point was going to be people do bad faith takes on Princess Knight and say that blah, blah, blah. And then I was kind of getting it mixed up. And then I was like, actually, no, this is my point because this makes sense. <laughs> so I'm sorry. If you're still listening after that insane, insane um, tirade <laughs> about monarchy. I tried to stop him. She, she did, you know. <laughs> Can I just throw in a uh, little bit off topic, but in the 70s, Mattel made some Archie-themed dolls, and I've always thought that this was super interesting, that as far as I'm aware, they never made a Betty, and instead they produced a Sabrina doll, so they made the uh, kind of the main cast and then Archie's jalopy, but... You know, it was like Archie, Jughead, Veronica, and Sabrina. Well, Betty can go choke, I guess. Yeah, well, you can't double up on blondes, I guess. Um, but... You try telling that to any other toy company at any other period in time, ever. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that was way more on topic than me rambling inanely about the hypothetical... Well, yes. <laughs> ...laws governing a hypothetical, <laughs> hypothetical monarchy, you know? It was doubling back. It was doubling back a bit, though. Okay. Oh, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about the uh, timeline of Magical Girls. So, um, Akra-chan came out uh, in 1962 in Ribbon, which was a girls' magazine. Um, That was the earliest Magical Girl manga. Sally the Witch was also made as a manga afterwards, but it was adapted into an anime first, just like we said. So... Sally the Witch came out literally in 1966. That was the birth year of Magical Girl anime. It ran for a single year, 
1967, uh, whereupon it <laughs> it was unceremoniously replaced with Akko-chan's anime, and thus started the long run of Toei replacing its magical girls uh, every year or so with a new series, which is still going on today, basically. But uh, yeah, they, they kind of went off the rails a little bit with it in the, the 80s, you know. Um, the 80s is when magical girls, as we know it, really start to come about because the toy industry got really involved. Bandai got involved and you start to see a lot of not just dolls, but uh, magical girl elements being reshapen to be viable as a toy product so things like creamy mummies items i mean they look like giant it's just like a sentai show everything the characters use looks like a chunky plastic toy because they want to sell you chunky plastic toys (laughs) and they don't need to make an accurate proplica if the prop already looks like a toy but yeah um I feel like a lot of more modern anime fans that aren't as familiar with the histories of the genre probably aren't really aware of just how much Sailor Moon changed the the entire genre. No, I think a shocking number of people seem to take things at face value without any deeper sort of insight into into what created it or what actually is happening under the surface, especially when it comes to Japanese culture, like. I don't know if you've seen it. This thing happened on Tumblr a couple of years ago and it haunts my dreams whenever it surfaces in my mind in that somebody had taken a picture of them throwing a peace sign and then somebody accused them of cultural appropriation and said it was racist to Japanese people. And this person had surmised that doing the peace sign was some uniquely Japanese cultural institution that had probable, probable sacred meaning behind it and it wasn't you know, just throwing a peace sign in pictures is fun and Japanese people like throwing peace signs in pictures. <laughs> Winston Churchill is a cultural appropriator from Japan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely some interesting hot takes on the internet. Yeah, I mean, especially Tumblr. Tumblr is Tumblr is a suspect. Uh yeah, but Twitter is quickly dethroning it, so I mean Twitter is Twitter is like the concrete underneath the cesspit where some what could wipe out humanity bacteria is developing you know if if tumblr is a cesspit then then twitter is the petri dish where coronavirus was developed as a biological weapon oh no i don't actually think please don't hey 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 you you i have no rebuttal yeah, no, it's because I'm right. Yeah, you are right. Is this a, is this our dynamic? Is this listeners write in? What do you think our dynamic is? What do you surmise of our friendship from our interactions on air? Our friendship is a lot of arguing and me roasting you. Hey, I roast you just as much. Sure, sure, hey, Jam. Uh, I do because only one of us is a uh, insufferable, pretentious art snob. Only one of us, huh, mister? I am very intelligent. I'm part of Mensa. Hey, I have never once mentioned my <laughs> membership of Mensa on air. You, you've just outed me. You, you've outed me. <laughs> my anyway, safety in danger. We should probably get back on a topic. Hey, I am on pain medication. What is your excuse? 
Um, I just got off work. Okay. Uh, you know, capitalism is uh, comparable to a, a drug. It's a terrible drug that um, the 1% is hooked on. <laughs> Ooh, political. This is just tit for tat now. Yeah, no, we should probably talk about magical girls. Okay. So more. we've given, we've done a brief overview. We've done um we've come up to Sally Sally the Witch season two, which again is is not a uh, is not a reboot. It is a sequel. You know, there was a time not so long ago where people would actually make things and not just reboot things constantly, which is ironic um, because despite. The countless magical girl series that Toei actually made, um, Echo Chan just gets rebooted constantly. <laughs> like Sally, Sally just does what she wants. Sally's just chugging along, and Echo is constantly being murdered and then resurrected by <laughs> by Toei in a new incarnation. This time she's got purple hair. This time she's a sassy teenager. This time the animation's not very good and people don't buy the toys based on the series because people don't like the series. That's the 90s version I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you oh, know what? I think we can 90s. be uh, thankful it has not resurfaced continually. What? Melmo. Oh, are we talking about Melmo? Is okay. I guess you know if we talked about Mel Melmo didn't even have toys. Oh, wait, did they? Oh, please tell me they didn't make toys. I don't actually know if Melmo had toys. We should. What what toys could up. they make? <laughs> Melmo's everything in Melmo is awful, <laughs> and parents hated Melmo. So why I feel like we've said Melmo like fifty times, and if people don't know what Melmo is, they they might be having some kind of um... seizure. Uh, reader, beware if you look it up. It is a magical girl series that was intended to be sex education, and it gets real weird. Yeah, but also not just sex education, it was also supposed to teach you about Darwinism and evolution. So, yeah. And it doesn't even do a good job at that, because... <laughs> see, see, this is... This is... Okay, maybe me putting on my insufferable hat again. I just think... I just think if something is claiming to be educational, especially for children, it should actually be educational and not and not actively dispense misinformation because it claims to be an intro to sex education and Darwinism, but then it does insane stuff like okay, should we say it? Should we just say what Melmo's magical girl power is? Um, she takes drugs. That's what her power is. Yeah, literally. She she takes these like prescription pill tablet things, and they're supposed to be like a creamy mummy situation. Even even though it actually predates creamy mummy, but that's the the best way to explain it. In that well, one it, pill, and I think it's kind of derivative of Akko in this because uh, Akko would frequently use her transformation powers to turn into an adult to do certain situations and shenanigans. Yeah. Well, Melmo's entire power is aging and de-aging and yeah. so she turns into an adult so that she can pretend to be her own dead mother to raise her siblings and she'll also like you know there's an episode where she accidentally de-ages one of her siblings into like a fetus yeah but but that's not the worst part 
It's not the yeah, worst part. The worst part is that it sexualizes her. That is the no. worst part. No, I mean, that's probably a close second. The worst part is that when Akko-chan turns into a grown-up, she gets clothes. When Melmo-chan turns into a grown-up, she don't. She's just naked. She's like... That's she's what, like, what I was just saying. It sexualizes her because she's still wearing her like child-sized outfits, so it'll show that like her skirt's too small and barely covering mm, her body. And she's it's naked very... so much of the time. Yeah, you know, they'll do upskirt shots of her as an adult, even though it's like literally a child. Yeah, a allegedly this series originated the panty shot. Yeah, so, it's... You know. Anyway... Oh, also, what, what I was getting at. Yeah, what I was getting at with uh, the misinformation thing is that if she takes the growing up tablet and the growing down tablet at the same time, she turns into a fetus and she can choose what animals she wants to turn into, and she can turn into animals like that. So, but doesn't you know. she? Doesn't she actually turn into an adult and breastfeed a baby at one point? So, not very good at sex education, then, is it? Um, I think it. Mm, sorry. Oh, also, the, I'm, I'm the baby she breastfeeds is her own brother, which I feel like is an extra layer of creepy. Yeah, I should also note that this show does not shy away from doing upskirt shots of her as a child either. No. The the whole show is just real creepy. So I think it is an interesting note because it is a magical girl show. It is part of the history of the genre. But well, some people don't count it as a magical girl show, which, I mean, I can see why, but I also think, I, I do think it needs to be included because it, you know, well, I mean, again, like we were saying, what, what toys could you have, what could you have made from it? Like, oh, here children have this bottle of candy and it looks, it looks like prescription pills and then children die from, from taking uh yeah. From taking a tablet. I wonder, you know, oh my god, parents hated it because it made children ask unfortunate questions. But I wonder how many children had watched that TV show and then found their dad's, like, medication in the medicine cabinet and just swallowed pills. Yeah, it's, I think that it is definitely a show that was not well enough thought through by its creators the implications of it between the sexualization of a minor the fact that her power is basically taking drugs it's uh, unfortunate. yeah i mean i mean not to get too real right now but you know sexualizing a minor is uh something a lot of anime still does and you know also, uh, i want to note that some of the main merchandise available for this is a picture or it's like an anime girl figurine of her as like a more grown up form and the buttons on her shirt are popping open and she's trying to tug her skirt down and that's Ooh. just what it's like please please tell me that is a uh, like a modern anime figure for grown ups and was not made as a toy yes but it's also paired with it seems to come in a set with her as a child oh dear god yeah <sighs> holding her bottle of pills <laughs> Um, hey, that is me right now with my pain medication. I don't know. Anyone who thinks that the uh, squickier side of Magical Girls is a more recent development, mm, no. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, Melmo tries to teach lessons, but it does it in stupid ways. Like, Melmo has an episode where she 
like I said, she can turn into animals for some reason. And anyway, there's an episode where she turns into a dog and, um, uh, oh, I forgot. Um, do you know who gives Malmo the bottle of tablets? Oh. Angels. Oh, yes. And God. Her dead mother wanted to help her from heaven or whatever, and that's how they chose to do it. Yeah, well, she wishes, she's like, oh, Momo obviously has to raise the children now because we live in Japan and there's no such thing as foster care. So I'm just going to wish that she can grow up faster. And then God is like, yes, this means I shall give this. How old is she? She's like six or something. Uh, she's pretty young. Yeah, she's whatever. Like, I'm going to give this child prescription pills. <laughs> and then the episode where she turns into a dog, the angels are like, you're abusing your pills. Um, they won't work now. And then they take them away from her and she's like stuck as a dog for a little bit. But like other magical girl anime do that better. Because there's an episode of Akachan where she wants to understand a kid at her school that is like deaf and mute and so she wishes oh i want to be deaf and mute but she's deaf and mute now so she can't unwish that she can't say her magical word to uh change back no also her magical word is rad af uh tekamekamayakon tekamekamayakon rampisu rampisu lulu lu that was beautiful yes thank you I didn't even practice. I just have it burnt into my memory from from watching it because it's so catchy. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you see a lot of merchandising magical girls until the 80s. No. Well, that that is when Bandai catches whiff of the sweet, sweet smell of using animation to push toys. Yeah, and I think dolls didn't really catch on a lot until the 90s with, uh, you know, Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Um, Have you ever wondered why when Sailor Moon transforms, her compacts make that strange chiming noise? It's because Bandai wanted to make toys, which made that noise when you pushed a button. And so after the first transformation, they said, Hey, Toei, include this noise with the transformations. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it is uh, more toyetic mm. well I always think the funny thing with Sailor Moon is and like god knows I'm not chastising the franchise for having toy inbuilt in it you know I'm not saying oh it's bad the Sailor Starlights have a weird rat tail because they wanted to make dolls of them and the dolls needed hair play you know I just think it's funny I think that it's some... bad that you think that you think it's bad that what what I think it's bad that you think that the rat tails aren't a problem. Um, you can braid them. You can brush them. I don't see what the problem is. Anyway. Anyway. Yes. I like my army doll with short hair. Well, you can just cut the rat tail off then, you heathen. Um, could you imagine if Ami had a rat tail? That would make me dislike her even more. Yeah, the only <laughs> valid rat tail is Clash. Playing favourites, are we? Anyway, let's talk about Jem in a minute. Um, I think we might actually have an excuse to this time. So what I was going to say was, I just think it's really funny when Western um, Sailor Moon fans treat Sailor Moon like it's some biblical epic story, completely above reproach and just completely incredible. When 
Sailor Moon is messy. It is like it's fun. I love it, but it it sells toys. It it makes no sense. It's crazy. It's great. I love it. And you know, I just think people need to come to terms with they love a glorified toy. Yeah, commercial. I have been uh, watching through Sailor Moon with a friend and. I realized I know too much about this show. Like, I'm not even a huge Sailor Moon fan. I just know a lot about it because I am a nerd. And also I listen to Sailor Business, which if you like Sailor Moon, that is a good podcast. But uh, I'm realizing that I'm like, this show is just so much. Yeah. Well, you know. I Oh, God. Um. <sighs> well... You know, speaking of um, Japan discovering selling toys through uh, cartoons in the 80s, America did too, and Gem happened. And uh... <laughs> Well, and I think that's super interesting because Gem is, in my opinion, 100% a magical girl. People can try to argue that she doesn't technically have magic, but if you want to look at it that way, Tokyo Mew Mew isn't a magical girl series either, and it's a textbook magical girl series. It's just that technically... Their uh, their powers come from having their DNA modified. Edgy. Yeah. And also, you know, like Miracle Limit Chan, she's literally one of the first magical girls in existence. And her, in quotation marks, magical power is being a cyborg. So. Yeah. Which also, she I would argue Gem Beauty isn't Honey, a man. Who is also a cyborg. Could you say that again, please? Well, and she uh, also predates cutie honey who is also a cyborg so you know like magical girls have been tied to technology historically in the genre i would i would argue that gem isn't a magical girl she is a magical woman because jerica is like 29 um that's debatable they have no canon ages well she's in her mid to late 20s at least kimber is like uh late like 19 like 21 yeah, uh, basically we know Jerrica is older than Kimber, and Kimber is old enough to have been to college. Yeah. That's and, all uh, we really also know. Also, Jerrica dresses like she dresses, and is also a foster mother, so... <laughs> Jer- Jerrica is getting ready for her 31st birthday, okay? Okay, but also, like, up until the first episode, she had ignored the family business, so, you know... I think mm. if she were that old, she would have been wrapped up in it before that. Potentially. Um, are we allowed to talk about Jem now? Uh, is this are we are we talking about Jem or are we discussing Jem? Jem is a magical idol. So we already mentioned there is magical princess, magical girls. There is magical item, magical girls, and there is idol, magical girls, which is an entire genre of magical girl built around having a secret identity that is a pop star. Creamy mommy. Gem <laughs> is a magical girl. You know, I wonder I wonder who would contest you on Gem is a magical girl. I think I think some people I mean we run a podcast about dolls. Obviously we are interested in things and I'm not against categorizing things, but I think some people get inflamed regarding categorizing things and can be a tiny bit purist about it when sometimes it's easier to be like, well, yeah, Gem is basically a magical girl. Well, and you know, she was animated by Toei. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's actually um, looked at the concept art for Gem, but Gem was not going to look like it looked for quite a long time. I actually have a theory regarding Gem um, 
and the art style and the reason Toei chose to animate it like that. I will cover that in a gem episode because I would quite like to speak to some people from the gem team and see if I can uh, get any kind of clues or hints about this. Yeah. Well, I think that it's also really interesting that the West obviously beat um, the East to the idea of fashion doll merchandising for magical girls. There was so much untapped potential there they didn't even realize. Yeah, well, it is crazy because Japanese people love dolls. Like, Lika-chan was super popular. She's still super popular. And uh, you'd think they you'd think they would have had some kind of deal going where it's like, okay, this year's magical girl is Limit Chan. Send it over to the people at Takara, and then Takara just does a Licker Chan wearing the Limit Chan outfit. You know, like like they did uh, for the, Tokyo Mew Mew. Yeah, oh, literally. Another Grail doll of mine is the Tokyo Mew Mew Licker Chan. I'm just getting all my Grail dolls out in this episode. You shall have nothing left to say at the end of the episode. When I okay, really hope so people. There's so many dolls I want, though. Okay, I have. I so really many hope. I really hope people listen till the end of the episode to actually hear us answer questions because God well, knows we have can, rambled. If they can make it past your weird rant about succession in European politics, they might have skipped it by fifteen seconds. I, I mean, are people going to make it past this? I mean. <laughs> What is happening right now? This is so structureless. This this is just us meandering through the general history of magical girls. I feel like people will have turned this off by now. <sighs> you know, our theme song literally says like, like, come along with us, we're gonna educate you. And this is more like, come along with us, we are staggering around a supermarket at three in the morning. Hey, hey. You wrote that theme song, not me. I did. I didn't sing it, but I wrote it. Because I'm a member of Mensa. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that we will make a return to doing some more structured intellectual episodes, but this yeah. has been a bad time for us. Yes. Oh my god. I mean, obviously you're American. I mean I mean, not to get too political, but you know, it's kind of um the backstory for an apocalypse movie slash the prelude to a scary section in the history book, potentially. Yeah, and you're injured. Yeah, literally. Like, I <laughs> I have, have not been able to walk, basically. Like, I have... I have... I am uh, completely incapacitated, effectively. Like I said, I have had to take um, not insubstantial pain medication to be able to sit on I mean I mean it's not it's not going to be a permanent thing hopefully you know knock on wood it's hey. just um you know I I've injured my my leg uh, tendonitis like I said uh, resulting from trauma and um so that that when that leg went basically I um I had to when I was on the crutches I was using my my left leg a lot more than I normally would and also the movements weren't exactly um graceful <laughs> there were um lurches and stumbles and it, in the process that has itself strained the tendons in my my left you leg probably so, you know. don't need to describe the whole medical issue 
You already no. did that in your uh, editor's notes last time. Yeah, I will. Uh, I might just edit this out. Yeah. But I was thinking, I think that we kind of caught our discussion of Magical Girls up to where we left it when we were talking with Linda about um, anime dolls released in the West. Yeah, yeah, I think we did. Well, do you want to it, go through our questions we got? Well, before we do, I do, I do just have a couple more notes on the the magical girl thing. Cause I do, I do think it's it's interesting to talk about it post Sailor Moon because obviously post Sailor Moon you get a lot of um, initially you get a lot of Sailor Moon copycats, uh, things like Tokyo Mew Mew. Again, I know you love Tokyo Mew Mew. I'm not attacking it. I'm just saying it's like a good parts version of Sailor Moon. It's like Sailor Moon without filler. The filler is the best part of Sailor Moon, though. It has its um, own filler, though. It's just you know one season instead of a billion seasons. <laughs> Poor Sailor Moon, spread so thin. The plot, <laughs> the plot was was not there. Um, anyway, so initially you get lots of Sailor Moon copycats, but then you end up getting Sailor Moon deconstructions, and I I find it quite frustrating that a lot of Sailor Moon deconstructions are very um like anti-girl like they're not they're not coming from the same place as the actual uh genre they're coming from a weird man place i'll admit that i do like madoka but at the same time you know it did sort of send the genre into a spiral that the genre has not quite climbed out of though i think the genre is kind of returning because for a long time it felt like there was only a little bit of the original fun spirit of the genre left in like a couple shows and everything was trying to be so grim, dark and edgy. But I do think that magical girls are making a comeback back to their whole girl power origin. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is we are a toy podcast. We're not an anime podcast. And you may be wondering why I am discussing the decay in genre. And that is because the decay in genre severely affects the merchandise, you know? They did make Madoka fashion dolls, but the vast majority of things don't get the fashion dolls. They get uh, plastic hair anime figures for men to put on a shelf and, you know, not for a child to brush and redress. So, I mean, oh, I mean, mm. I'm, I hope for your sake, listener, you have not heard of Magical Girl, Magical Girl Sight before. Um, it is... Oh boy, have you have you heard of it? I'm pretty familiar with it. Yeah, that is you know that is the Madoka Magica to Madoka Magica Sailor Moon. It is so grim, dark, so try hard, so ridiculous. Yeah, like you know? Madoka, like there's a reason it exists. It is a genre deconstruction that was educated on the genre but this is it feels like a deconstruction that watched madoka and said let's take that to 11 but without ever having ever watched like an actual kids magical girl series yeah literally also the the plot is incoherent um bad things happen for no reason if i told you within the first episode there is an attempted sexual assault parents being murdered you know everything happening at once it god anyway um that's depressing but what i mean uh, is domestic abuse too oh god yeah um, the domestic abuse there's so much of it in that show um okay that that's depressing basically what what i'm getting at is the media that sells toys 
if it stops being for the audience that traditionally buys toys, the merchandise attached to it becomes weird. And the thing is, Japan is kind of the mothership of adults buying toys and merchandise of shows aimed at adults, you know? Like, most anime get their second season completely dependent on merchandise and DVD sales, um, you know? that That's what happened with uh, Cute High School Earth Defense Club. Don't know if anybody's ever... Um, seen that highly recommend love it it is the only magical boy series i would recommend it is uh very much in the vein of say the moon but it's well, uh well, not not the only anymore there how oh, i don't think it has an anime but there is definitely the tokyo mew mew spin-off where it is about magical boys and there is a cat boy main character I, i'm gonna be interested to see that because um as much as I like um, Cute High School Earth Defense Club, it is it is very um, very much a parody of the magical girl genre. Um, but it's not Something... a mean-spirited Can... parody. It's a loving parody. Do want to mention something about Magical Girl Sight, but I do think that that is a prime example of the decay of the genre, just because even the characters' designs are so not toyetic like all the characters just have basically black school uniforms like they don't have magical girl costumes they simply are given weapons pretty much oh yeah you know and the thing is the weapons aren't even toyetic because that like i said it's it's the sentai logic is you are going to be selling toys of this so you make it look like a toy to start with so you don't have people being like well this doesn't look anything like it you know it's not like a it's not like a early merchandise of star trek situation where the merchandise looks nothing like what's in the tv show you know because <laughs> it's designed primarily as a toy and magical girl weapons follow the same logic everything you can buy was designed to be bought and then put into the show you know sailor moon's gorgeous bejeweled locket on her chest was a toy you could like clumsily press buttons on and would light up and flash and play the chime over and over again the transformation items in magical girl's sight are like flip phones and a gun but they're like pink and that's it well, they're not even like pink uh i think the main character has a gun and it is gun colors it just has a heart-shaped barrel and like a little wing on it uh, yeah but otherwise, and, it's like realistic gun colors. I mean, this is so far off topic, but, you know, um, I just, I feel like even the show itself, like the dialogue is so scornful of the magical girl genre, because when she pulls that out and, spoiler alert, kills somebody in the first episode with it, because um, it's edgy, um, <laughs> they're the the person she's about to kill's reaction is, oh, why have you got a proplica gun? Are you an otaku or something? And it's so scornful. <laughs> like, people buy magical girl weapons. Like, if I could afford it, I would totally have the Sailor Moon proplicas. Like, give me the cutie moon one. Though I do want to say that it's not like uh, it invented more edgy first appearances, because, like, in the original Sailor Moon manga, doesn't Sailor Jupiter just, like, electrocute a guy to death in her first appearance. Yeah, but the thing is, all of the scouts kill the uh, corresponding general in the uh, in the manga. Because <laughs> Naoko Takeuchi loves drawing 
um, desiccated yeah. corpses. I, sh- yeah, for those who don't know, like, Ami was supposed to get dismembered in the original plot. And uh, I think it was the publisher, or at least the editors were like, no, no, you can't I- just dismember one of the magical girls. I didn't know that. Oh my god. Oh, that was, okay. Another thing, Ami was supposed to be an android in her original character design. That's uh, how her being an android was supposed to be revealed, was that she would be dismembered and it would reveal that she had been a robot the whole time. Could you imagine a magical girl robot? (laughs) That brings us right back to the whole, um, is technology a magical girl? Um, Just saying, technology and magic are uh, two sides of the same coin, right? You know, we, we were talking Magic about witch dolls. Magic is just technology we don't understand, huh? Yeah, we were, we were talking about witch dolls, and I don't even know what we're talking about now. Um... <laughs> oh, we have strayed so far. I'm feeling quite sleepy. I feel like I am coming down from the high of the, uh, the pain medication. Um, well, it's also what time for you right now? Very light. Um... Yeah, that's why I kind of want to get to uh, going through our listener questions so that you can go to bed because you need to go to bed, man. Yeah, I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry this episode's been um, kind of... This was supposed to be a spooky Halloween spectacular. And I feel like we've, like, rambled like a couple of insane people about random things, you know. But I'd like to think we were at least entertaining, if not mildly educational. Well, and even if we didn't strictly talk about dolls, I do think that Magical Girls and, you know, the Little Witch genre has been really influential to the development of girls' toys. Because especially in the 90s and 2000s, you had this huge wave of girls with powers media, you know, from the live-action Sabrina TV show in the 90s having lots of fashion dolls and the whole occult 90s trend of girl witches into the 2000s when you had a lot of, uh, you know, magical girl shows really coming over to the West and Western magical girl shows coming up. Well, the thing is, I think Magical Girl is... At its heart, one of the most toyetic concepts possible because not only do you get the character who you can merchandise as a doll or as a, a mascot or a costume, you also get the items she uses that you can merchandise. So, you know, you, you've even things like the live action Sabrina sitcom, you got the Hasbro Sabrina doll that's hand, uh, I think it had a magnet in or something, and it would activate things with the playset. Um, but then you get things oh you can buy like a plush of salem you know it's the the brand synergy is so mm-hmm. good you know the the potential for merchandising is is everything everything is there you you you've got the cute accessories you've got everything and i think fundamentally also because of the way i mean let's not beat around the bush media shifts toys you know he-man endures because media shifts toys and the thing is with anime it's around for a season and then it goes and it's the same with toys you know toys are on the shelves for a season and then they go and if you can get both going on at the same time if you can get that anime linked to a toy or the toy linked to an anime you're golden you you've got the money in the bank you you've shifted the stock you've bought in the viewers hey hey i got a question for you Mm -hmm. does he man count as a magical boy does she recount as a magical girl um, I think she's definitely on the periphery of the genre, but she is a 
magical princess who comes from another land to a different world, even if that other world isn't Earth, and has a secret identity and a transformation. See, see, this is where I mean people being purists. This is this is where I mean. Where do you draw the line? Do you say the transformation is what constitutes a magical girl slash magical boy? Because if She-Ra is a magical girl, He-Man is a magical boy. But if He-Man is a magical boy, does that mean Superman is a magical boy? But I guess not, because he's got his powers all the time. Well, he doesn't have to unlock them with the transformation. Well, and then you get into all the magical girls that don't transform, though. But I do think that... The idea of a magical girl is more of a collection of themes and aspects, and you can pick and choose from that, but not all of the elements have to be present. Hmm. Yeah, it's like you look at the whole in not just a single part, you know, like looking at Shira all together, you're like, well, maybe she's not a magical girl, even though she has the transformation and the secret identity, in the same way you would maybe look at Jem and say, well, she doesn't have... A transformation, but you know she's doing uh, a lot of the wish fulfillment. Has a transformation. Well, kind of. She she's got a transition, but she I wouldn't say it's a magical girl transformation. You don't you don't get a a twenty second cutaway of Gem spinning around the screen as Sinji like fires clothes onto her with lasers. It, it's yeah, but also that would be cool though. <laughs> Japanese magical girls didn't have that either for a long mm. time. No, they didn't. You know. You know, Sally never the stock footage. at all. No, no, you're right, Sally. That, I mean, that that's another thing we, we didn't really discuss, you know. Um, I think Akko is the first transforming magical girl, and her uh, transformations were practically screen wipes. Like, it, you know, Jem has more of a transformation half the time than Akko ever did. Well, and also the thing with Akko and stuff is it's not a transformation into a set version of herself like it is with something like creamy mammy or sailor moon it is a transformation into thing of the week you know like she's like oh no i need i need to be a nurse um magic mirror turn me into a um, nurse sailor moon's disguise pen it's more like that yeah well i mean sailor moon's disguise disguise pen is literally like referential to that you know i think i think it's crazy we've spoken about um toys and uh magical girls but we haven't spoken about the most infamous of all which is uh uh minky momo which um, people may or may not know it was a, a relatively successful toy line um, and um, anime. Um, the anime was subsequently cancelled because the toy company stopped the toy line. The people working on the anime were so angry about that they had the character die, but she didn't just die, she got hit by a van delivering toys made by the toy company. <laughs> and it killed her. Oh my gosh, that is some next level pettiness, and I I kind of love it. Yeah, but and instead of seeing her dead body, she gets hit by the van, and then the camera pans slowly over the spilt contents of the van, which are all of the other toys the toy company makes, as the ambulance sirens get closer and closer, and then it cuts. Uh, show's over. She's dead. Yeah. Well, the the toy company ended up bringing her back, and the show is like actually she gets reincarnated as because she was a magical princess from another world, and they they get around it and they're like, well, now she's reborn as her Earth parents' real child. Um, you know. Also, Urban Legend says that show is cursed because uh, when they killed her, um, there was a huge earthquake, <laughs> and every time the show has been like re-aired, there's been an earthquake that coincides with the episode where she dies. That's uh really funny. Yeah, I know. Japan loves its urban legends. Yeah. Um, that, oh, speaking that's of really urban fun. legends, 
spooky for Halloween. Um, and dolls, uh, three-legged uh, Lickachan. Oh yes, uh, please tell the story of three-legged Lickachan. The legend goes, you will find a Lickachan doll with three legs, and after you find it, you will grow a third leg, which is useless, and then you die. It's not a very dramatic story, but supposedly it's quite terrifying. Well, isn't there um, another one about uh, you can't throw away a Lickachan? Oh, yeah. Well, that that is really funny, because you know Mattel had that weird thing where they were like, Barbie can't have a voice! Or the actress for Barbie's voice can't be uh, public about it. Yeah, it, well, you Top know, Takara, Takara did not care. Takara had a phone line where you could phone in and talk to Lickachan. Um, and, and that figured into the you can't throw a Lickachan urban legend. Uh, because if you throw away a Lickachan, she will find her way back to you and kill you. And uh, you will get phone calls every night from Lickachan telling you her location and her progress on her way to kill you. That is fantastic. So I really love Halloween. it. If anybody's ever watched Ghost Sweeper Make Me, there's actually an episode where Make Me's childhood uh, off-brand Lickachan, um, because they couldn't use Lickachan <laughs> in the anime, um, comes back to kill her, and she fights an army of possessed uh, Lickachan dolls. So, uh, fun times. Okay, let's, uh, let's get into reading these questions, shall we? All right, do you have them? I should. I have them. Oh, okay. Shall we take turns doing them? All right. Uh, shall we start with our question from Art the Animator? Yes. All right. So Art the Animator asks, is there a popular kind of doll you dislike and why? Hmm. Us be negative? Never. <laughs> oh, well, do you want to go first or should I? Well, I feel like you go first because you'll have more to say. Oh, well, I'll try and uh, not get too in-depth with this, but um, I've never really liked dolls with giant heads, so I never really liked Bratz dolls very much. They just aren't really my thing. I had a hard time getting into Monster High when it first came out, and I only really got into it because I watched the media and I enjoyed the characters themselves enough that it got me past the uh, stylistic hump of their, their very large stylized heads and you know in these days almost every single doll on the market has a giant bloated head including even barbie has a much larger head than she used to and it just it's not for me um popular doll i don't really like i'm not really a fan of a lot of what mga has been doing recently but i'm not like i'm not super into their very abstracted body types i guess but yeah that's uh that's more just my personal taste on that that i'm very much a sucker for vintage and uh proportionate heads please note mga i am not affiliated with her opinions in any way whatsoever um <laughs> okay um, hey hey Bootlicker. hey hey i'm a freelancer okay <laughs> i know i know no, I mean, um, and honestly, I don't want to, like, criticize people who do like super stylized dolls. It's just a trend in the industry that is not for me. Well, for me, I, I don't necessarily think that there's a popular doll I dislike. There are dolls I dislike, but, you know, um, they're, they're not really popular. Um, 
tackling more the the popularity side of things i think quite often if a doll is really popular sometimes it can attract a not very good fan base and quite often i find that the fan base um can turn me off the doll a tiny bit you know um not all of the fans obviously but I think especially with social media, a lot of people get into quite insular um, online communities which act kind of like echo chambers and they, they kind of amplify the fans and they, they can get quite aggressive, they can get quite combative and it, it's not very pleasant to see. Um, I mean, I love Monster High, don't get me wrong, um, but, but recently uh, the, the abuse coming from some Monster High fans on, and I have to stress, some, on instagram and being hurled at official mattel accounts and even some designers uh, private accounts it, it is nasty stuff it is uh you know um dolls are supposed to be a fun thing we love dolls uh, i'm assuming you love dolls if you're listening um children love dolls you know uh dolls are a positive thing and it you know it's not cool to be sending people death threats about dolls no i mean there's a lot of uh there's a lot of Monster High fans I know that are just fine, upstanding people. It's just that there are some uh, rather angry people in the lot, which you'll get with any large fan base, but it is kind of scary when you get uh, see some comments sometimes online. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite unfortunate and not very pleasant. Um... Yeah, I, th- I, I, like I said, I, th- I think it's the echo chamber nature of social media that kind of brings it out of people, um, and it, I, like, I do genuinely think it is quite toxic, uh, especially, especially because people have such access now. They have access to uh, very public-facing parts of companies and uh, designers, and and they, they aren't approaching it in, in a way that kind of recognizes the humanity of the other people they're not they're not approaching it with with the the people that they're sending these messages to as being people they're just kind of screaming and again i'm i'm not just talking up monster high fans exclusively now i'm there's all sorts of doll fans on the internet that are quite angry um you know um they're everywhere unfortunately it's just like all social media but i do, i do think doll people especially there, there seems to be a um a very vocal minority which is uh there seems to be a very vocal minority which is uh kind of obsessed with uh wanting dolls to be more adult in in their fashion and their makeup and and when i say adult i don't mean in character i mean adult in they they want dolls with um quite harsh um mean expressions or dolls with uh uh, like clubwear and stuff and you know it's not it's not really what kids want now it's not commercially viable but the fans all sit around telling each other that's what the industry needs and that's what children want and they come to believe it and then when a company does something based on actual market research you know kids want something friendly looking or um maybe parents want a bit less makeup nowadays then uh, they react very negatively, and uh, and then it's within their means to go and tell people that they think they're wrong, and uh, yeah, you know. Anyway, let's move on. I feel like I'm rambling, and um, I just hope I don't bring any of these angry people down on us from from saying this. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
Yeah, so those are answers for me. It's the uh, a very particular style that is somewhat dominant in the industry, and for Joe, it is fandoms that can be a bit overwhelming. I feel like our answers for that were more coherent than this entire episode has been. <laughs> okay, but uh, sometimes it can be easier to answer a specific question than just try and talk about something. Yes. Do you want to read the next question? Um, I don't know how to bring it up on my phone because okay, for some I, reason I have them here. Okay, you you ask the next one and we'll pretend like okay. we wouldn't do that anyway. Okay. So, um, Little Pony Guru asks if you had to pick a doll or dolls to put in your pyramid for the trip to the afterlife, who and why? Oh my god, I love that question so much. No, that's a great question. That's so Halloween perfect. Oh, Pony Guru. We stand. We stand a creative question. Um, I should. I just want to say, um, I was the one that asked that question and made the infographic, and um, I was really scared nobody was going to ask us questions. <laughs> but we, we had so many people ask questions, it made me really happy. So um, I guess you go first, because I've just said, said something, and we'll, we're, we're being diplomatic with our turns. Um, yes. So, um, I guess for me, if I were going to bring some dolls with me to the afterlife, um, I would probably bring maybe a couple of my childhood ones, but I would 100% my first thought was Clash, uh, my Gem Clash doll. She's very near and dear to my heart. I am a Clash stan. I cosplay Clash. She's my girl. Uh, we are such nerds. Um, <laughs> you know, I I have a couple of really really beloved Barbies. I um don't know if I've said I, this on you air. You are emotionally closer to very specific of your Barbies than like anyone else I know. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. You, from what you've told me about your childhood with your Barbies and uh, playing with them the way that companies intend you to versus me and my uh larping apocalyptic survival with my barbies yeah well i mean not to like blow my spot up here but um if anybody's ever watched rugrats which you come on everybody's watched rugrats like angelica and cynthia was like me as a child with barbie <laughs> Like, except I didn't have everything like she had, but I, you know, I spoke to that doll, I carried that doll around. I had a parasocial relationship, uh, as Emma Kate calls it. And, um, yeah, and she has since been designated Barbie Prime to differentiate her from the other dolls. So, uh, yeah, Barbie Prime would go in the um, the afterlife pyramid. Um, Barbie Prime 2 would go in that pyramid. And, um... Ooh. What about Barbara? Yeah, well, well, Barbara is like the precursor to Barbie Prime because, okay, I haven't told this story on air yet, but um, as a child, my first ever Barbie doll was um, Splash and Color Barbie, and uh, I dubbed her Barbara. I, I referred to her only as Barbara, and um, I think I was like four or something. Anyway, her head got broken off once because she fell off uh, the dining table and landed, unfortunately, and her head was detached and and um yeah so she she stands apart from a uh, barbie prime and barbie prime 2 because um 
she was never referred to as just Barbie. She was just Barbara, so she did, she doesn't need the prime to differentiate her. But yeah, um, my family said that they they just heard sh- like shrieking, like gut wrenching shrieking, and they all came racing, thinking I'd like broken my arm or my leg or something, and I was like collapsed on the floor, like crying hysterically because the doll's head had broken off, which uh, says something about my personality and my priorities. That was your best friend. Yeah. So. Barbie Prime, Barbara Prime 2, and uh, Barbara. They go in the pyramid. And um, my gem dolls as well, because um, I'm a gem stan. Okay. Um, I think uh, this is from Barbie's gay best friend. Me? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, next question is, do you think Brad's dolls copied Lisa Frank's girl's uh, artwork that she did? Wait, what? Okay, so you know how Lisa Frank does the artwork of girls that had very stylized features and big feet and big heads? Yeah. So, would you say that Bratz was inspired by that? Do we know if one predates the other? Because I would feel more than anything that Lisa Frank would maybe be carrying off of the Bratz trend, because Bratz influenced everything with girls' media. Yeah, I have to wonder. I know Lisa Frank as a brand was around long before Bratz. Like, I have Lisa Frank stuff from the 80s, but um, yeah, I'd be curious to see when her girls' artwork started popping up, because I am not a huge Lisa Frank nerd. Yes, Barbie's gay best friend. If you know that, uh, get back to us, because looking at the images, I would say Lisa Frank's girls' artwork looks more Bratz derivative than Bratz looks derivative of it. Oh, she's even drawing halos on them in some of the artwork, so... Um, again, again, not being like, oh, she's copying, because, uh, you know, stuff is influenced, stuff is always influenced. Um, wasn't there some lawsuit with um, some fashion illustrator did uh, early Photoshop uh, mock-ups of models with huge heads and huge feet, and he tried saying Bratz copied him? I know nothing about that. Yeah, so the next question I have on my list is, is there a specific movie or TV show that you wanted to have dolls made, but it didn't? Um, Legally Blonde. <laughs> I know there was a Barbie made of L, but um, come on. Okay, but like any Barbie is a Barbie of L, basically. <laughs> Don't read me like that. Like L, like Legally Blonde is the live action Barbie movie we deserve. Oh, I stand Reese Witherspoon. She's one of my favourite actresses ever. When we do the princess episode, I have a story about Reese Witherspoon I'm really excited to tell because she has such integrity and such backbone. You know, it is just above reproach. Yeah. Um. Oh, you know, I'm not sure because I think a lot of the things that I want dolls of maybe did have dolls made, but they're either just so impossible to come by or not good. There are some things that I like that had dolls made that I do not like the dolls that were made of it. Mm. I really want to get the Clueless dolls Mattel made for the uh, Clueless TV series, even if the TV series was kind of bad. (laughs) Yeah, those are pretty cute Barbies. Yes. Um... Oh, I can't. I can't really think of that. I mean, there's a lot of anime properties um, that I would have liked to get dolls. You know, like Utna. There's never been like a solid Utna fashion doll line. I mean, there's never really been a solid. I mean, we went into it a couple of episodes ago. There's, 
never been a solid Sailor Moon fashion doll line. There's been Sailor Moon dolls, but you know they they weren't super comprehensive or cohesive. Unless you lived in Canada. Unless you lived in Canada <laughs> at a very specific uh, point in time. Yeah. And there's nothing now. Yeah, I think because um, like I would have liked better Kim Possible dolls. Uh, I do have some of the Kim Possible dolls that were made, but that was something that I cared about a lot as a little kid, and I was never satisfied by the dolls that they did make. So I guess there's maybe not something that didn't have dolls that I want dolls of, but I... Oh, the other thing is the Big Hero 6 dolls. Like, I really like those, but they are so impossible to come by. Yeah, speaking of impossible to come by and spies, um, Totally Spies, I would kill for... <laughs> totally spies fashion dolls like good quality ones with joints oh uh you would probably kill to get the italian ones that were better yeah the i mean again like we said um with linda um italy gets cool stuff and the the italian uh the italian totally spies dolls were incredible yeah the west or the um american ones kind of had bloated brat's head going on didn't really look much like the characters yeah, the Italian ones were much more true to the character designs from the show. Mm. And had nicer outfits. Um, I'm sorry, I feel like I feel like that wasn't a very cohesive answer to the question. Um, well, okay, okay. I want dolls uh, of everything. Everything I like, I'd like a doll of, basically. Like, I read books and I'm like, God, why don't they make dolls of this? <laughs> Is, I guess it does say a specific movie or TV show. Um, I guess I would totally go for, like, collector dolls of all of my favorite horror movie icons. I am a big classic black and white horror movie fan, and, you know, if I could get a Gloria Holden Daughter of Dracula doll, I, I would go for that, but that's probably not something that will get made. I'm sure lots of lesbians would also buy it. Yeah, it is a very queer-coded film. Uh, that I have opinions on that, but that's for another day. Yeah, that really comes our, around for the uh, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, our spin-off show where I just talk about old movies. Yeah, um, well, we'll have to do an episode about that with uh with dolls that we can tie into it somehow. Um, next question. Okay, so Vitamin D eighty one asks, "What's your favorite doll?" Oh. Like doll as in doll line or doll as in my individual favorite doll? Um, because it's not specified, so I think you can uh, interpret that question as you will. Hmm. Hmm. Vitamin D. Hmm. Um, well, as previously mentioned, um, I like howled hysterically when uh, Barbara broke. So, um, my favorite individual doll as like an individual doll is uh, Barbie Prime 1 who, um, you know, she is uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, my favourite doll as as a doll line, um, is, it's really hard for me to say. I feel like it is kind of like the trilogy of dolls that is Darcy, Jem, and Maxie is kind of my favourite group, if that makes sense. Like, every, everything from each one has something I would consider to be the, the perfect thing. Like, I think... I think Darcy's body, Darcy's face, her friend's head sculpts, her head sculpt, just incredible. Um, I also really like um, 
the fact Darcy and Jem subsequently have a holding hand where they can hold things because fashion dolls can't hold stuff and you know like she can hold her bag she can hold accessories um I think Jem is just super amazing um glitter and gold Jem has the most incredible articulation it's just incredible also I think um Jem hair is super amazing quality and I really love Jem fashions and then Maxi has the most incredible accessories and the most incredible fashions. So, you know, that's not a very good answer. I'm sorry, vitamin D. I haven't, um, haven't been more concise. Um, yeah. If, if it's a singular doll, my, uh, my childhood Barbie, if it's a doll line, it's a trilogy of dolls from different companies. Yeah. Thinking about that. Um, I was trying to think like, what, what's my ideal doll, but you know, I have so many, different things that I really love for different reasons. Uh, if I'm going on nostalgia, then it would probably be like my childhood Chrissy doll because I grew up with uh, a 70s, you know, ideal Chrissy doll. And I think that she is super pretty. But at the same time, you know, there's things that I come to love a lot more as an adult. Like I really care about my Clash doll. <laughs> care a lot about her. But also... um you know, I really like you need a dollykin. I really like um I really like Barbie's British cousin Stacy. I think that Stacy is definitely my favorite uh Barbie doll. But yeah, I don't know. There is a lot of things that I really like for different reasons. Uh on Gem is one of my favorite things for its media component and like the characters themselves and how the line is structured and Oh man, I just I don't think I have a singular favorite anything. Oh, uh, well, I think the problem is we're both quite eclectic people. I also do think that's a funny note that um you're like the gem media stan whereas I am the gem doll stan. Yes, well, um this might this might be a bit controversial to you, Joe, but gem's head size is pushing the limits of my taste. I'm sorry. I'm this podcast is cancelled. Uh, we are not friends. Do not, do not text me ever again. Well, Gem Gem is like she's not super proportional anyway. Like she's a, a chunky doll. Like I I know we've joked before that like Rio is like an offensive weapon. Like you could you could beat somebody to death with a Rio doll. And that is a stock joke for you. Yeah, I know. Well, he's he's a meaty he's a meaty boy. Yeah. But I do, I do really like gem dolls. It's just they are not at the top of my list for style. Like I really like the fantasy hair and that really glamorous rock star element, and I do really love them. They just aren't like the top of my list as my ideal of what a doll should be. I guess I don't know because I do, I really like the cast and I really like the character designs. Um, but yeah, I just prefer smaller scale than that normally, which is ironic seeing as I just said that Chrissy is one of my ideals, but that's mostly a nostalgia talking and also my love of ideal sculpts. Their sculpting is so good. So should we go to the next question? Yes, I think so. Oh, um, Merman here asks, would we come on the Gem Boys podcast? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd love to guest on something else. That'd be fun. We both that, have lots of opinions about Jam. And that legitimizes us as podcasters. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, DM us, hit us up. 
Oh, um, the boys dolls also asked us what's the best fashion doll in your opinion. I think does that double up on what's your favorite doll? Uh, if if I'd known about that beforehand, I would I would have separated the questions out as as vitamin D's question being favorite doll personally. So in okay, backtracking. If it's favorite doll singular, um, like I said, my uh, my treasured Barbie Prime, um, yeah, and then copy and paste what I said before when I went on like a weird ramble about uh, the trilogy of dolls I consider to be peak doll, um, and like copy and paste that now. Only also include like I think um, Francie has the prettiest head and proportions, especially Silkstone Francie. Yeah, I do have to admit that. Um... I do like a little bit more slender dolls. Of course, I do like curvy dolls as well, but I do like uh, the fact that Francie looks a little more proportional than the more super hourglass look. So that is something that I've always appreciated about uh, Francie and Casey. Yes. And then the last question from the ones that I managed to save is from our listener, Josh Matthews. Oh, hello, Josh. Um, Josh and... Sometimes Emma, some sometimes Emma Kate, sometimes me have been uh, messaging quite a lot on Instagram. He he is very knowledgeable. He loves to talk dolls. Yes, that's our kind of people. So he asks, "What are some of your Grail dolls?" And well, I know I've mentioned a couple of mine on this episode. Would you care to expand? All right. So I've always been a collector. I like to get a couple examples from different lines. I've never been really invested in collecting all of something. I more just want my favorites from a lot of different things. I have a very diverse range of lines I'm interested in. So because of that, I've always been drawn towards oddities, things with interesting articulation or a unique style to it. And um, because of that, some of my Grail dolls would probably include... um, I would really like a Yanita Suzette someday but like the um the miss suzette who's more of a i wouldn't call her a barbie clone but she's also a barbie clone she has a very unique style of her own but she's very beautiful for a doll with a large head um i god damn it you you claim i have hang-ups and then (laughs) you are here like all big head dolls must die but then you define something like gem as having a big head Okay, but also you have to understand that my distaste for it is heightened by the current industry. I would not be so hard on it if there was like things that were more my taste currently on the market. And no, Lamely doesn't count. Um, Lamely is a blight uh, on the world of dolls because she was uh, created. She was created by a misogynist. Uh, yeah, that's a lot to get into. I'm sorry I brought her up, but yes, uh, she is a sorry. not large head doll. But okay. uh, yeah, my turn. Oh, well, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna mention that I also really want the bewitched Samantha, and I really want uh, an Emerald the Witch. <laughs> That's uh, two of my other girls right now. She wants everything. Um, I do want everything. She's she's never satisfied. She, <laughs> she, you know. Um, We've, we often end up hunting for the same dolls, and um, I, always, I, always, I always think it's really funny how we have to um, coordinate our eBay searches so we're not bidding on the same things or we're not um, 
like driving the price up on you know recently well, we're not we, uh, like bidding against each other and then yeah <laughs> just making each other pay more <laughs> yeah recently we actually bought a like a, a giant lot of stuff and we've uh divvied it up we've we've divided the spoils <laughs> um yes so my grail dolls okay let's see um well there's lots of barbies i would like because um i love barbie um off the top of my head i can think i would like um I'd like all of the princesses of the world, Barbie dolls. I have a couple of them, but I'd like more. Um, more. Um, what else? What else would I like? Um, I, I think actually dolls of the world, because I I have this thing with with um, with dolls in that I, I, I have uh, quite a large collection of a lot of different dolls. Um, and when I say quite large, I mean like a normal person would think it was obscene. But, you know, as a doll person, I'm like, hmm. Could have more. Um, well, I, I, in comparison to some people we know, you're you're rather humble. <laughs> Are you saying this because of um, because of John and his? Uh... I mean, he's a person we know. Yeah. Yes. I, he he is a, a person I talk to daily. Um, I, I I think I have uh, yeah. So what I was sort of getting at is I would like once i have the space to build a much more comprehensive barbie collection uh, and instead of picking and choosing a certain barbie i'd like i would i would like to be like one of those people in like barbie bazaar from like the 90s where they just have like walls of barbies um and i would start with like dolls of the world and stuff um that's, that's not really Stan. yes i am the thing is i love barbie and i think you know maybe not at the moment but i love barbie and um you know, what she's else? an icon. What? Other Grail dolls. Um, I mean, do dolls that kind of like a doll cryptid count? Because Rock and Romance Gem technically exists. Like they they were manufactured, but um, the the legend goes that the only shipping assortment of them produced uh, languished in a warehouse in France following the uh, cancellation of orders for the uh, the doll after the uh, product line was cut unexpectedly. So, um, yeah, I think that's my ultimate Grail doll is Rock and Romance Gem. So question, given the opportunity, would you want the integrity Rock and Romance? If I could choose between them or? Not necessarily if you could choose between them, but is your desire for an original Rock and Romance enough that it carries over and you'd want the integrity? I think so because I do love the outfit anyway like to me that is one of the quintessential gem fashions but I also do desire um the the original because she is an she is an incredible doll I love her the only thing I don't like about her is how blonde her hair is I like gem with pink hair and I know that is a point of contention between us because you are very pro blonde and I am very pro pink um well no I'm not very necessarily pro blonde i'm pro the existence of jerica but it's rock and romance gem not rock and romance gem slash jerica i know i'm she not contesting she... you i'm not contesting you on gem having a uh, pinker hair i'm just <laughs> saying that i like jerica and i like jerica pink supremacy. i say pink supremacy um, okay <laughs> um Oh, I don't. I don't really know. I think that's it, really. I feel like I haven't given very concise answers. Thank you for sending questions. Was that the last one? Ah, uh, yeah, that's the last of the ones I have. Well, I'm not saying thank you. Is that is that the last one? Um, 
I'm not saying is that the last one like I'm grateful like we got questions I'm sorry I'm really if... excited thank you to everybody yeah I'm sorry if anyone sent in a question that I missed seeing before the story went down but I tried my best to get them all saved and it's a Feel good thing I did because mail. apparently Joe doesn't know that uh, Instagram stories go away well, I knew they went away, but I'd never asked a question on an Instagram story before because I am an 80-year-old man in the body of a 24-year-old. Um, I am also not the most technologically adept with social media, so if there is a way to like go back and view an archive, somebody let us know because that would make having question time so much easier. Yes, it would be fun. Um, thank you to everybody that asked us those questions. And again, I'm really sorry that, that like I feel a much more sensible now than I did earlier because I've I've definitely I've definitely come down from the the pain medication. Um yeah, I'm I'm sorry that this episode's been a and I'm sorry I keep saying sorry. I feel like for the last 3 episodes there's been a a snippet of me being like a a a groveling person like throwing myself at your mercy and apologizing and it's it's not the most flattering thing really, is it? Uh no, your editor notes were quite something. Oh no, were they? I she, she was not consulted in them because uh she quite cruelly leaves all the editing and <laughs> Other Look, things I'm to sorry me. I run a retail business, okay? Oh, it's, it's outrageous. Not the good kind. It's not truly, truly outrageous. It's only outrageous. Verging on truly outrageous when... um. I mean, if you push me, I might try and make my voice crack like Kimber. <laughs> um, okay, so basically um, enjoy the episode people um we we will um you know actually message us telling us if you want, because we do have stuff in the pipeline we've we've got an interview we need to reschedule with with somebody who is uh, knowledgeable about um something very important um to to sort of dull world like i guarantee it is connected to something you like even if you only well, like we have a couple things. interviews that we're working on scheduling it's mostly uh you know we have people who have already agreed to them it's just mostly getting the scheduling and time zones to work out for it so yeah i think it's, it, literally everybody has had so much on uh, you know it's it's hard to it's hard to nail down people at times um you know um, so yeah, message us. Let us know what you want because we've we've got ideas. But really, what we want to do is we want to do what you want to hear. So you know, if there's a doll you'd like to know history about, or an idea, or a concept, tell us. We will go research it. We will talk about it. We like talking. Well, we like researching. We like presenting also, the facts know, to you. For some of these things that we're less knowledgeable on, if you are an expert on a subject, you know, hit us up. Maybe we can have you on as a guest. We would love to have you on as a guest. Because, mm -hmm, you know, we're both uh, nerds, but our knowledge has its extents. So, um, I hope you have a very spooky Halloween, even if you won't be able to do much because, um, you know, the Rona. Yeah, everyone, uh, stay safe and, you know, don't don't party. Please don't. Party. It, it's tempting. We all love Halloween, but it's just not a safe time. Yeah, um, my favorite pumpkin patch has closed down because of coronavirus. So, uh, 
I feel like a little bit of Halloween died with it. Uh, it was family run. It had been there uh, longer than I've been alive. <laughs> it was um, That's real. Is you're British, so you don't really get like as much of fun Halloween as we do. Well, Halloween is. I mean, Halloween originated here, but then I guess religious people kind of did away with it. But um, Halloween is is reasonably big here. It's just the trick-or-treating isn't big. You know, like, you would... All the fun parts of Halloween are, like, American. Yeah. Well, I mean, trick... Well, the thing is, like, Halloween and Guy Fawkes Night are, like, the pair that go together, you know, like, Christmas and New Year's. And a lot of the stuff you guys do on Halloween is stuff we do on Guy Fawkes Night anyway, so I feel like the stuff that hasn't caught on for Halloween here... Is because it like the the children children trick or treat on Guy Fawkes night with with they they ask for a penny for the guy and they and they drag around the the Guy Fawkes effigy before it's burned on the bonfire. Also, we can't have bonfires this year because you know it's uh, coronavirus, so you can't uh, all gather around outside and uh, burn an effigy of uh, a would be terrorist. <laughs> that is the funniest holiday to me. It's it's good old fashioned fun. You uh you. You eat food and you you have sparklers and you uh you throw a straw effigy of a of a of a Jacobean terrorist and you uh you burn him after begging for money with his with his limp body. <laughs> and also fireworks. Amazing. Yes, it's uh you see what I mean? It that that is to Halloween what New Year's is to Christmas. It's like that that period of um, for those unaware, uh, Guy Fawkes Night is the fifth of November. It's remember, remember the fifth of November, a gunpowder plot and treason, um, and so that period of of like five days <laughs> between the thirty first of October and the fifth of November. That is like that is the spooky autumn no man's land that those days between christmas and new year when you're in like a a cake induced stupor and you don't know what day of the week it is that is the equivalent do you have christmas cake yes wait do you not interesting (laughs) i make a really good christmas cake yeah um you know you you have desserts for christmas but i don't think like cake specifically is a super christmas thing here yeah, well, well, Christmas cake is very much like you would have normally another dessert besides Christmas cake as well, like um, like a roulade quite often, um, and then Christmas cake would be what 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 my family tends to do is in in the the day after Christmas dinner, um, we would have the roulade, um, because it's a bit lighter after you've had the meal, and then in the evening, um. Um, when we're having tea or something, we would have uh, the Christmas cake because it's it, I Christmas think, cake. I is think here uh, the Christmas associated thing is like a lot of the time you'll have like pie or something, but hmm. more associated with Christmas is cookies. Cookies. I mean, gingerbread cookies are very much a thing here as well. Um, well, not just I, gingerbread. It's it's basically any type of cookie is a Christmas cookie. Yeah, I mean that we do do cookies here, but I feel like I feel like the Christmas food in England and America is very different, and I think it probably. I mean, this is getting onto our uh, nondescript holiday event episode um, territory, but um, I, I will just say I think it is interesting because a lot of English 
Christmas food um, was kind of solidified um, in the Victorian period. And obviously, America had already uh, become its own independent country and was uh, well underway to developing its own culture. So um, I think the the development of Christmas as a uh, as a holiday we uh, now know in the modern sense uh, was. Though I'd say that during that time period, distinct. that we still did uh, end up with a lot of British influence. Like it's Queen Victoria endorsing Christmas trees is basically why America mainstreamed christmas trees i suppose so yeah. like it's not that they didn't exist here before it's just that that's kind of what made them catch on yeah yes well um well as a german you should know all about that <laughs> um okay i think let's let's call it a day here so um because you know we we are in the middle of october and we've just breezed right through we've breezed through uh guy fawkes night we've breezed through uh uh thanksgiving and uh all the way up to uh christmas so um i'm sorry you just said christmas cake like that was something that everyone just has and uh, it took me a back a little bit i'm like christmas cake <laughs> cake um, isn't a christmas thing i'm sure people have stopped listening by now but um you can probably anyway, this out. um from us here at Talking Dolls. We wish you a very scary Halloween. Yeah, um, thank you for listening. Um, I'm Joe. You can find me at Sensational Joe on Instagram. You can find Talking Dolls on Instagram. We're also on Twitter. I haven't really used it yet because um, Twitter is a terrifying and bewildering place. So please find us on Instagram instead. Um, or our website, talkingdolls.org. And I'm Emma Kate, and you can find me at emmakate.sequentialarts on Instagram to see my uh, mostly doll-related art. Which is almost completely what our Instagram consists of right now, because I haven't taken any pictures, because uh, uh, I'm a terrible, terrible person. Anyway, um, happy Halloween! Please yeah. don't go to any parties. Happy Halloween, thank you, and good night. Mm-hmm.